Welcome to High Performance Equestrian Science to Enhance Rider Performance. Today's episode is about the demands of equestrian sports on the rider. What do riders need to do in training to make sure they perform at peak when it counts? This is actually quite a big topic. It summarizes basically what my whole podcast is about. So today I'm going to break it down and just introduce all those different areas that athletes can consider when they think about being both fit to ride and fit as an overall athlete. The first area to look at that most riders are more familiar with is skill acquisition. And this is a real demand in equestrian sports. There is a lot of skill involved. Skill for sports scientists involves motor control and neuromuscular development. And the second area I'll look at today is biomechanics, defined as the structure, function and motion of the mechanical aspects of a human. There's a lot of crossover in both skill acquisition and biomechanics, especially in horse riding. Starting out with skill acquisition, balance has to be one of the key skills in horse riding, as we all know. But when you look at it more closely, there are different types of balance. There's static balance and dynamic balance. Balance as in how you sit and then dynamic as in how you move and keep that balance while moving. Just like a dancer or gymnast has to center their core and keep their balance as their body changes position around them, we have to balance as our horse changes position underneath us and as our body changes position. This is more similar to sports like surfing or snow skiing where something in the external environment is changing underneath our balance and then we have to react in turn. Both static and dynamic balance are important for us. Next in skill acquisition is coordination, which is also linked to isolation and stability. Coordination is moving all those body parts at once or in sequence. In giving riding aids, sometimes we have to think about one leg, one hand, one hip joint, one seat bone or both or a sequence of these areas of the body. It's very specialized and it's not so easy. It takes a long time to build this type of skill. And that's where coordination links to isolation and stability. So being able to move one body part while keeping other connected body parts more stable or not moving. Also under skill acquisition is reaction time, decision-making and agility. And these are both conscious and subconscious skills, just like driving a car. Sometimes you do perceive things in the environment and have to make a quick decision. Sometimes you just have to react or your body has to react as your horse makes a quick turn. Next is tempo, and this is different to rhythm. Rhythm is a repeated pattern of movement or sound and that's the horse's job. The horse provides a walk which is a four beat rhythm, a trot, a two beat, a canter, a three beat. So that's rhythm. But tempo is the rider's responsibility. If we don't set this, the horse will set it for us. And this is the relative speed per minute or the rate of the motion or the activity. And this is seen in both music and sport applications. 
I mentioned in episode three that skill is a part of fitness and it certainly is an important part when it comes to sports. Putting these skills together in horse riding, of course, give the aids or the communication to tell the horse what we would like it to do. But then we've also got the other part of that is what we do with our body to facilitate or to react to or to be able to ride that movement. Think about jumping or a canter pirouette. So we have to, first of all, coordinate the aids. We have to continue to let the horse know that, yes, that's exactly what we want you to do and keep doing. And then we have to be able to ride that movement. We can assess, train and improve all aspects of that skill acquisition, both on and off the horse. Riding obviously combines all of these skills at once, but sometimes it's useful to isolate these skills and just work on one at a time. If some of these skills are stronger or weaker than others, you can make improvements in overall riding by bringing up those weaker elements. Athletes routinely isolate and improve important skills in their sport as a part of their regular training to enhance performance. For example, a rugby or basketball player may train agility with a reaction ball. It's one of those spiky balls that shoots off in unpredictable directions. This is isolating a skill to improve it when it's part of the athlete's performance in their primary sport. In addition to skill acquisition, I mentioned biomechanics as the structure, function and motion of the human body. This has also been described as the study of human movement, including the interaction between the participant and equipment. I really like this one for equestrian sports. It's a bit more obvious if you think about the equipment as a golf club or a tennis racket and you can analyze the swing or the hit. Now, our equipment is, of course, our horse and it is not a static stick. It is a living, breathing, feeling, moving animal. So our sport is complex and I'm sure that's why a lot of you like I love it because it is difficult. It's not easy. It's always challenging. When we think about biomechanics, if we think of structure, function and motion together, we're really talking about the physical and physiological aspects of the human body Physical is the body itself, the structure and composition, what it's made up of. Physiological is more function, how efficient it is at using oxygen or delivering energy, for example. A big part of biomechanics is symmetry, and this covers things like posture, which is linked, of course, to balance. When we think about posture, just like balance, there is static and dynamic Posture is influenced on relative strength and weaknesses on opposite sides of the body and on opposite sides of the joint. The resulting angles at those joints from how the soft tissues are pulling on them or stabilizing them creates our posture. One easy example, which is really common, especially in sedentary populations, are postures through the spine called lordosis and kyphosis. Lordosis is basically a sway back, so lower back, excessive curvature, and kyphosis is, it's not really a hunchback, but it's excessive forward curvature of the upper spine. 
Neither of these is desirable or effective in riding. And long term, if you ride with these excessive curvatures of any part of the spine, it can lead to pain and damage to the back from repetitive loading on those bones in the spine without being in optimal alignment. So the bones are not stacked evenly. There's more pressure on the inside of the exaggerated S-bends. That's an example of a static posture that you might bring to riding from daily life. Then you've got your dynamic posture. It's not just how you're seated on the horse, but once you and the horse starts moving, what is your posture and how does it change in response to what the horse is doing? If your horse gets really upset or anxious about something and he starts jig-jogging, how does your posture change? If you're approaching a jump and you're nervous about it, how does your posture change? If you're heading into a flying change, does your posture change? Does it need to change? There's a lot of ways our posture can change. Some of it is conscious, some of it is subconscious, and we do want to actually take control of consciously creating the riding posture that we want, that we know can be more effective to improve riding performance. Then we get to strength versus suppleness, which could also be described as tension versus flexibility. Most of you are probably familiar with the concept of range of motion and how there's an optimal level of flexibility around a joint, which is desirable for both effective biomechanics and injury prevention. But there are also optimal strength ratios at each of these joints, which do the same thing protect us against injury and enhance effective movement. For example, when you have opposing muscle groups, let's take the upper arm, for example, we've got biceps, which is two-headed muscle, triceps, three-headed muscle. The strength ratio is that the triceps should be stronger than the biceps by that two to three ratio. The same occurs in joints all over the body and strength training or lack of strength training and just relying on your sport or your daily activities can actually promote imbalances in these optimal ratios and predispose you to injury. Next is structure or body composition and this is what your body is literally made up of. It is without a doubt that training and nutrition determine body composition. Everything from bone density to what you carry on the skeleton in terms of muscle tissue and fat storage. Structure affects function and movement. If riders are carrying fat stores, if they're carrying heavy breasts, bigger muscles, smaller muscles, where all these things are located, absolutely affect balance, posture, and movement and we can adapt to any body structure but there are also ways to optimize that structure based on what you're working with and to learn how to optimize how it functions. The last point I'm adding on here that's really important for riders is stamina and I'm putting it under biomechanics because it affects function. It can be stamina of aerobic or cardiovascular endurance it can be stamina in terms of strength being able to sustain muscular contraction stamina we really just define as the ability to withstand the stress that's required on the system or the structure 
And this is all about training, increasing the capacity for physical and physiological load or stress. Training puts stress on energy production and delivery, on the structure and function of muscle and bone and connective tissue. And the body responds by getting fitter, faster, stronger and becoming a more efficient fuel burning machine. And this is the real specialty of exercise physiologists, this area of training adaptation. Chances are you follow the principles of training and physiological adaptation in training your horse without perhaps labelling it as such. These principles, for example, are progressive overload, specificity, reversibility, variety or cross-training, training thresholds, warm-ups and cool-downs. You've probably got a great progressive training system in place for your horse. The same applies for the rider. Another really important part of horse training, of course, is the energy systems. So the fuel or nutrition and how that's used in training to enhance physiological adaptation. Well, the same is needed in the rider. Then we've got sport-specific local muscular endurance. Thinking about riding, which muscles or body parts fatigue? Where do you feel that muscle soreness if you have a few weeks off and then hop back in the saddle? Could there be a weak link there? Are there performance limiting factors if those really specific muscles aren't up to the task? Then of course, cardiovascular capacity and endurance. And it's not just for endurance riders. A lot of the Olympic sports really mimic high intensity interval training and we do need a certain level of both aerobic and anaerobic fitness to be able to get through training and events in particular competitions you can just have that extra requirement for cardiovascular fitness because of the extra demands on competition day. On top of all of these other demands on the rider, we then have the important body parts specifically in riding. We have really specific movement demands on riders. Think about the pelvis, hip and seat area. Think about ankles, about the thoracic area, what types of flexibility and stability we need around these joints and of course there are many specific exercises to enhance how effectively we use these joints. I hope this initial exploration into the demands of riding on the rider has shown there really is quite a lot to effective riding that the rider can think about in terms of their own performance enhancement above and beyond training the horse. There's really stacks that goes into creating the human athlete. Remember, it's a six-legged team. So whatever your horse is struggling with or learning, so are you together. If he's not balanced, you both are not balanced together. If you're not balanced, you both are not balanced together. Same with other aspects of fitness. If your training is draining, one or both of you may need more strength or fitness capacity. It could be various aspects of skill or fitness that could limit your performance as a six-legged team. And what that team does together is usually training to help improve the horse. And yes, you will improve as well in some areas, particularly skill. But many years of sports science research has shown us how we can improve 
all of these aspects of human performance in isolation and then apply them in different activities to improve performance in a particular sport. In the next podcast, I'm going to dive into skill acquisition on how that process works to get athletes performing at peak and we'll look at the characteristics of skilled performers. I'll also examine skill versus talent and what that looks like in equestrian sports. Thanks so much for joining me today. Until next time, happy riding.